Amen. Please be seated. If you have a Bible with you, you can open to Luke's Gospel. Look at chapter 11 this morning. And we're starting a... uh, The text is printed on the next page of the bulletin also for you. Uh, We're starting a new series in the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is found in two places in the Gospels where where Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. It's uh, here in Luke 11. Um, We actually find kind of a shorter version of it. And then uh, in Matthew 6... Uh, during the Sermon on the Mount uh, is it's actually what we'll spend most of the time in this series looking at um, Matthew 6 because it's a little bit more thorough. Um, and this morning, um, we're looking at Luke 11. It's, it's really going to be an introductory sermon. We're not going to get too much into the Lord's Prayer itself, um, but uh, something of a, a broader introduction on prayer um, You'll see as we go along. Let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll read the scripture. <clears throat> Father, we come to you for help this morning as we look at your word. We pray, we ask uh, that you would quicken our hearts, that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds, that you would wash us with the pure water of your word. We know that um, we need your spirit's help if we're going to understand it or if we're going to be changed by it. And so we ask that you would be gracious to us and visit us now as we look at your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished... One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. So, um, children, children, pay attention. <laughs> do your parents pray with you? Uh, when do they do that? Do they do that uh, when you sit down to eat a meal? Do they do that when, you, um, uh, when you're lying in your bed at night and it's bedtime? Is that when your parents pray with you? Do they sometimes ask you if uh, you want to pray? Like it? At the dinner table. Sometimes they ask you if you want to pray. Um, what do you say if they, if they ask you to pray? What do you say? When, um, have you ever said, I don't know how to pray? Have you ever said that? I'm sure some of you have. I know my children do. <laughs> uh, and that's okay. Um, that's a good answer if it's true. One time um, when I was young, before I came to know Jesus and um, before I knew much about God and the Bible, someone asked me, to pray, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to pray, so I just made some stuff up and kind of joked around a little bit. You think that was good? You think that was a good thing to do? No, probably not. Probably would have been better if I had just said, I don't know how to pray, right? Um, so maybe, maybe if you're a small child, you don't, um, you don't know how to pray yet, right? You don't feel like you know what to say when you pray, but you should want to learn how to pray, right? 
Um, you know who, who can help you learn how to pray? Is Mr. Pope. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Pope uh, prays a lot, and he makes it really easy. He says two things. He says, God help, and he says, God thank you. Right. Um, sometimes it's as simple as that, asking God for help, and then thanking God for his goodness towards you. So help and thank you. Do you think you can remember that as a way to help you learn how to pray? Help and thank you. Um, in a way, that's, the, that's what Jesus teaches us. That's how Jesus teaches us to pray, his disciples, his students. That's how he teaches us to pray when he teaches us the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer over the next few Sundays, and you're going to learn about it a little bit and, and memorize it in uh, Sunday school class. So we're going to talk more about learning to pray to God. <clears throat> um, so one more question for you children. Uh, how many of you had your first day of school this week? Raise your hand. Yeah, it should be a bunch of you. Yeah, good, good job. Um, how many actually had your first day of school ever, and it was your first day at kindergarten? A couple. I know it was a couple of you. That's good. Okay. Um, now I'll ask you parents a question. Um, do you feel like you have perfectly prepared your children to go off to school? Did you feel that way this week? You're all ready? <laughs> um, you know those bad dreams that you can get when you feel like you're forgetting something tremendously important? Um, when you feel like maybe you're just beginning to realize how inadequately you've prepared for something. I used to have dreams like this all the time. Sometimes I still do, but um, I used to have nightmares, really, that, that I would get to school and I would discover that I've hopelessly forgotten my locker combination. And I, I have no way to access my uh, materials for school. Or... Um, I'd be wandering around the hallways, I hope this is not just me, and discover I was only wearing underwear. <laughs> right? How did I get here and realize I was so unprepared? Um, or I'd get to the end of a semester, I've had this dream several times, get to the end of a semester and realize I had totally forgotten to go to one of my classes the whole time, and, um, <laughs> and then realize I had a class, uh, and, and that uh, the finals were coming up in that class. Or... I'd get totally lost walking on my way home uh, through the neighborhoods in second grade. Right? I think that was a dream. I don't think that was real. Um, it's, it's that feeling that you get of being unprepared and, and frightened because I'm unprepared. Right? Um, and the day before Ransom went to his uh, first day of kindergarten this week, all those same kinds of feelings hit me all at once. And, uh, and I had this great fear that I had totally not prepared him for, for school at all, right? Um, that I was missing something really big or even several really big things and that I didn't even know what they are. I didn't even know what they were. Um, <clears throat> you know, we sent him off on his own for six hours to meet all new kinds of people, most of whom didn't even speak his language, uh, and uh, to learn all kinds of new things. It's uh, the first step of of his life toward regularly increasing independence from us. So you can imagine those feelings, right? Um, so you know what I did? Uh, I prayed. <laughs> did you worry at all about your kids at school this week? Did, did you pray? John Ortberg says that desperate people pray. 
They pray without thinking about it. They pray even if they're not sure who they're praying to or if anyone is out there listening at all. People in foxholes pray. So do people who go through divorce, who have children that run away, or hear from a doctor that the lab results say that the growth is malignant. When we reach the limit of our resources, we pray instinctively, reflexively, like the man like the way a man lacking oxygen gasps for breath and the way a man who is falling reaches out for something to grab. We pray instinctively when we reach the limit of our resources. Anybody will pray when things get rough enough. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, George Clooney, it's a Coen Brothers film. Uh, maybe you'll remember George Clooney's uh, character, Everett. Um, Everett spent a lot of time mocking the law. He was a criminal. He was mocking God. He was mocking his uh, friend's belief in God, his friend's religion. But even he, when he reached the end of his rope and he found a noose waiting for him, um, he prayed earnestly, and this is what he prayed. He said, Oh, Lord, please look down and recognize us poor sinners. Please, Lord, I just want to see my daughters again. Oh, Lord, I've been separated from my family for so long. I know I've been guilty of pride and sharp dealing. I'm sorry that I turned my back on you, Lord. Please forgive me and help us, Lord. And I swear I'll mend my ways. I don't know if, you, if you've seen the movie, you remember the part. Um, it seems pretty miraculous. A flood sweeps in. Uh, a flood hits, their lives are spared. And his friend, one of his friends, uh, friends are Pete and Delmar. Delmar says, um, it's a miracle. And Everett says, oh, don't be ignorant, Delmar. I told you they was going to flood this valley. Right? This was something that the community had planned, actually. Um, and Delmar said, that ain't it. And his other friend Pete said, we prayed to God and he pitied us. Everett says, it just never fails. Once again, you two hayseeds are showing how much you want for intellect. There's a perfectly scientific explanation for what just happened. And Pete says, that ain't the tune you were singing back there at the gallows. And Everett says, well, any human being will cast about in a moment of stress. Um, so immediately after being saved, he returned to his ingratitude, his denial of God. Um, right? but, but the point is that it's pretty much universally accepted that any human being will cast about in a moment of stress. When you're in a tight spot, uh, you pray instinctively, even if you're not a believer, right? It's not just good Christian folk who pray. And that's all right. That's good. Actually, that's a great place to start sometimes, is prayer. Um, but we're told to pray for things that make us worried, right? Uh, Philippians 4, uh, Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So it's really not just the things that make us worried that we're supposed to pray for. We're supposed to pray for everything, right? At all times, we're supposed to be in prayer and for all things. So, so maybe it's not the most dramatic example of reaching the limit of my resources and casting about for help in, in a time of stress, but I prayed while Ransom was in school this week. 
Do you know what I prayed for? When that moment of stress hit. Um, let me tell you, I didn't even know how to pray. I didn't know how to pray. Here I am getting ready this week to start a whole series on the Lord's Prayer. And I didn't really know what to pray for when Ransom went to kindergarten. What did you pray for when your kid went off to school? Why did you pray that way? Why did you pray the way that you did? What did you pray for when you, uh, when you got in that car wreck? What did you pray for when it looked like you were going to lose your job? When you were looking for work? What did you pray for when you heard the doctor's bad report? What did you pray for when someone just decided they wanted to be your enemy? What did you pray for when you were lonely and you wanted to get married? What did you pray for when your spouse said that the marriage was over? Why did you pray that way? What will you pray for when someone breaks into your home? What will you pray for when your relative or your friend comes out of the closet? What will you pray for when your mother dies? What will you pray for when you're in the foxhole or at the gallows? Why will you pray that way? Let's dial it down a bit on the intensity level. <laughs> what do you pray for when your friend feels that he's called by God to serve overseas as a missionary? What do you pray for when you read the Bible? Or when you come to church? What do you pray for when you've got a presentation at work? What do you pray for when you're cleaning the dishes again? What do you pray for when you've got a test in your hardest class? When you've got a test in your favorite class? What do you pray for when some dirty, smelly guy asks you for some help? Why do you pray that way? Why do you pray that way? If you're like me, sometimes you might pray instinctively. In fact, uh, you might even pray with some frequency, but we still need to learn how. How to pray. What to pray for. What to ask of God. Right. I. Howard Marshall says that the Lord's Prayer is help for men who have to learn how to pray. We all have to learn how to pray. It is not natural. Um, I know I've been saying that prayer is instinctive, <clears throat> and in a sense that's true, but praying the way God wants us to pray is not instinctive. It is not natural. It goes straight against our nature as rebellious, sinful, self-sufficient, autonomous human beings to pray in dependence on God for his help is not natural to us. Left to ourselves, <clears throat> the deep thoughts of our hearts as we pray are bad. Our motives behind our prayers and the things that we pray for are bad. Right? God, sometimes we feel this way, you are totally wrecking things here. Please knock it off. <laughs> Please. 
or God, I want something, I think I deserve something that you're not giving me yet, whenever's convenient for you. Or God, usually I'd be able to handle this on my own without you. But it'd be nice if you wanted to help out on this one. Or uh, God, I usually try to block you out of my life, but, um, but I don't think I can live without this. So could you please help me prop up my false God here? Or God, uh, if you don't give me what I want, I will continue to hate you and refuse to trust you. And then you've got the way that people who don't go to church at all pray. (laughs) We all pray this way. We all feel this way when we pray. If you're not a Christian, you need to learn how to pray. If you are a Christian, you need to learn how to pray. And our text is the second time the disciples ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. It's absolutely normal to continue. You need to be reassured of the fact that it is normal to continue to need to learn how to pray. John Ortberg again says, prayer is learned behavior. Nobody is born an expert at it. No one ever masters prayer. And then Thomas Merton says about it, we, we do not want to be beginners, but let us be convinced of the fact that we will never be anything else but beginners all our life. Beginners at prayer always needing to learn from Jesus how to pray. So as perpetual beginners, we need to go to the master, right? We need to go to the master for help. We all need to ask Jesus to teach us to pray for the rest of our lives. Um, We all need to get over feeling ashamed or embarrassed that we're still on the path of learning how to pray. We all need to get over uh, feeling ashamed or embarrassed that, that we're still terrible at praying how God wants us to pray really miserable at it sometimes, right? You know, um, even though his disciples were boneheads, they never got it the first time. They repeatedly asked Jesus about everything. He didn't get exasperated with them about this. Right? He didn't say, oh, prayerless generation, how long will I have to put up with you? Jesus wants us to pray. Jesus wants us to have real intimacy with God in prayer. He wants us to change the world through our prayers. And he wants us to be changed to become more uh, like him through prayer. He is patient with us in our weakness at prayer because he loves us. He laid down his life for us to reconcile us to God, to put us in a relationship with God where he speaks to us and we speak to him in prayer. And now Jesus lives forever at the right hand of God to pray for us. And he sends his spirit into our hearts to assure us of God's fatherly love. It says in Galatians, Paul writes, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, like the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, our Father. The spirit of God is sent into our hearts to cry that prayer to God for us. It says in Romans 8, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, even though we've learned the Lord's Prayer. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit intercedes for the saints 
according to the will of God. If you trust in Christ, His Spirit lives in you, and His Spirit prays for you. Prays on your behalf. Prays through you. So you better believe that God wants you to learn to pray and that he has done everything to help you grow as someone who prays. And here is the way that we should pray, the Lord's Prayer. It's the prayer of prayers. The Puritan Thomas uh, Thomas Watson said that just as the moral law, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, were, were written with the finger of God, So this prayer was dropped from the lips of the Son of God. And that's why it's called the Lord's Prayer. Right? It's the disciples' prayer. It's the prayer that the disciples are supposed to pray. But it's the Lord's Prayer because the Lord owns this prayer. This prayer is of divine origin. It's the prayer to govern and shape all other prayers. This is how God wants his people to pray. Our... um, our church's uh, confession, we have a catechism, which is question and answer form of kind of the statement of faith that we subscribe to. It's the Westminster, um, the Westminster Larger Catechism, question 186. It's almost at the end. You're supposed to memorize all these questions, by the way. Um, <clears throat> 186. The whole word of God is of use to direct us in the duty of prayer. But the special rule of direction is that form of prayer which our Savior Christ taught his disciples, commonly called the Lord's Prayer. His disciples asked him, teach us to pray, like John taught his disciples to pray. Common thing uh, for the Jews during that time, the rabbi would teach his select group of, uh, of learners, students, disciples, how to pray, right? He would advance kind of his theological perspective by teaching people to pray in his particular tradition. The disciples thought this is just another one of those, right? But we've got a really good rabbi. They asked Jesus, teach us to pray like all the other rabbis are teaching their disciples to pray. Jesus didn't give them a method. He taught us content as a pattern for our prayers. It says that... um, He was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, right? This is a pattern you see so many times throughout Luke's gospel, through the other gospels. He'd probably just been out praying in the wilderness, like usual, right? Find his little secluded spot where he communes with his father. But he didn't say, find your own special spot outdoors like I do. Jesus didn't say, wake up before the rest of the family's up, before it's light. Put on that cup of coffee. Go downstairs. Sit in your favorite chair. Or get on your knees in your private study. Remove all distractions. Pray aloud. Lift your hands. Use a journal. Set a timer. He didn't teach us a method. These might all be helpful suggestions, but the Lord taught us content. He said, say this. And he taught us a few short, memorable sentences to guide us in all of our prayers. Now maybe um, it seems strange to you that God would dictate how you pray. That doesn't seem very organic, does it? It's supposed to be, um, you know, prayers to be genuine doesn't have to arise spontaneously out of my heart, out of my soul, from my mind. 
Isn't that real prayer, kind of the instinctive prayer that's genuine? Um, you know what? God can handle what arises spontaneously from the crevices of your soul. Uh, he can handle all of that, but it doesn't mean it pleases him. He has shown us a way to pray that pleases him, a way to pray that's in accordance with his will. Right? And just a side note, that's what it means when we say we pray in Jesus' name. You know, we kind of close all of our prayers with that plug. It's not a magical incantation that we're offering up. We know our prayers will be heard because we tack these words on the end of our prayer. To pray in Jesus' name means that we think this is how Jesus would pray if he were here. We want to pray in accordance with what Jesus teaches us, with his will. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. And that's what he's given us in this prayer. Do you remember um, the Old Testament reading from Exodus chapter 30? It may be a little bit hard to follow, a little bit. uh, I I get bogged down sometimes when I'm reading all the the statutes of the law. Um, But God is giving the instructions for how he's to be worshipped in those chapters. Instructions for how he is to be worshipped. Very precise instructions for the building of the tabernacle, just big tent-like structure, um, as the place where his presence dwells. It's the meeting place between heaven and earth, the meeting place between the divine and the human, between God and his people. He very specifically commands how the altar is to be built, when and how animals are to be sacrificed upon it, where their blood is to be sprinkled for the atonement of sins, and how many times a year that happens, who can enter into which holy place, and the like. Very specific instructions on how God is to be worshipped. God is God, and it is his prerogative how he should be worshipped, to say how he should be worshipped, how we should relate to him as his creatures, not just his creatures, but those who have a tendency to rebel against him. Right? He has a right to demand from us the way that he should be worshipped. We don't just worship however we please. We certainly don't worship whomever we please. That's what got us into this mess of a fallen world in the first place. God tells us how we should worship him. In fact, he provides everything that we need to be able to worship him, to enter into his presence, including the sacrifice of his own son to atone for our sins and reconcile us to himself. And in Exodus chapter 30, he gives precise instructions on how to build the altar of incense and what the incense should be made of and when the priest would burn it in the tabernacle. And all of this, uh, we actually learn from the rest of scriptures, especially the book of Revelation, is symbolic of the prayers of God's people. The incense is symbolic of our prayers which are meant to rise to God as a pleasing fragrance. So in his law, metaphorically, he's telling us what smells good to him about prayer. You will build the altar of incense like so. You will use these ingredients to make the incense and no others. It will be holy. My people... My followers will offer prayers to me like this. If they don't, if they seek to do it their own way, 
They're not my people. We want to know the one true God, right? We want to worship him. We want to pray and have fellowship with him. And if he has revealed to us how this is to be done, how could we ignore it? So we have this thing that we call the the regulative principle, which basically says that the Bible, the word of God, regulates our worship of God. If God commanded it, if Jesus taught it, then we do it. If he didn't, if something doesn't jive with what we find in the Bible, then we don't do that. I'm not saying that we keep his commands and worship exactly how we're supposed to in order to somehow gain favor with God that we lack. He has showered us with his love and with his favor. And we, as the redeemed, as the ransomed, as those who are saved into a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, we want to know how to live before the one true God on his terms. And here in the Lord's Prayer we find the divine answer to the question, how should we pray? Prayer ought to characterize our lives uh, on a a daily basis, on an hourly basis, even more frequently than that probably. How should we pray? It's a question that we'll always be asking, if we're honest. How should we pray for our jobs? How should we pray for our relationships, our marriages, our kids when they go off to school? How should we pray for our lives? How should we pray for our church? How should we pray? That's a question that um, Jesus is happy to keep answering for us. He is happy to keep teaching us by his grace for the glory of his Father in heaven. So uh, let's ask him for his help as we uh, enter this season of looking at the Lord's Prayer. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we don't want to be uh, those who arrogantly assume that you will receive worship and prayers from us, uh, just however we might like to offer them. We want to be instructed by you. We feel lost when we're not instructed by you. We don't know what to say or what to pray for when, when you don't teach us. And yet you have taught us. And you've given us your spirit to help us learn even better how to pray. And so we pray that um, over these next few months and even throughout our, our lives, you would teach us to pray the way that you taught your disciples to pray. Uh, for, for the sake of your kingdom advancing in this world, for it uh, going forward not only in our, our own hearts and in our own lives, the lives of our family members, but uh, in this community and through us to the world. We pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. We pray this for your Father's sake and for your glory. Amen.